Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugo and Gons. Hugo, how are you doing? Very well, Gons. Very well. Very happy to be here, as always, and very excited to chat. Surprise, some more paddle. Correct. Another week has gone by. Not necessarily any drama this week, but... A week that has definitely been, there has been a highlight, let's say, not a good one. Um, I think it's, uh, there has been the, the main topic of this week and especially what's been sort of, I guess, the, the main theme of the tournament is are, are the injuries, um, which, you know, both to the number one pair heading into the tournament, Koyon Tapia, and also the second pair, Lebron Angalan, Especially, I think the one that caught everyone by surprise was Lebron Angalan, which actually did start the tournament. But unfortunately, Lebron had to pull out um, just as they were about to play their second round matchup, which then completely distorted every other pair and the draw. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what did you what did you make of uh, of this tournament? Well, I think first of all, we got to say it was a very different week and a very different tournament. We're, given that Goya and Dabia have been dominating paddle this year and after Lebron and Galan's return last week where they were so good after being out for so long, I think people expected probably a Galan-Lebron versus Goya and Dabia final in this tournament. At least um, I, well, I had actually predicted, predicted that Super Bibes would make it but it could have easily been the top two seeds. But obviously due to injury issues it hasn't been that way. And to be honest, that's made it to an extent even more interesting because I think the rest of the pairs were had that extra bit of motivation, thinking, hey, we could add to our tournament tally and well take advantage of the fact that the best pairs in the world, top two pairs, weren't playing. To be fair, having said that, the final was relatively predictable. <laughs> Um, given that it was the third seed in Los Supervives, Stupa and Dinero against the fourth seed, who were obviously Momo and Sanyo. And to be honest, the result was relatively predictable as well. As we discussed in our previous pod, Gons, we said that the Supervives were almost playing in their own league. I think they're a little step away from being able to compete with Liberal Galan and Goyan Tapia, but I think they're also much more consistent and are playing better than any of the other pairs um, chasing them. So, well, yeah, two sets to love, relatively comfortable. And what did you think about the final bonds? I assume you had a chance to watch it. Yes, I did indeed. I think I agree with your analysis. Very comfortable match for Los Supertives, who, other than Koya and Tapia, have been the second most informed pair in in the world paddle tour they they are also the only ones actually that have beaten Coelho and Tapia um in a final this year in they they took of course the the first premier paddle tournament at the beginning of the season and it was a it was a comfortable match for them but I also think that there was you know a decent amount at stake right I think we we sort of commented last week that you know, the top three are sort of like in their own league, but even potentially it's almost like Coelho and Tapia, Lebron and Galan are in, in their, their own mini league. And then you've got under that 
stupandineno. So I think there was a, this was a great opportunity for them to really step it up to the top two pairs and see that, you know, tell them essentially, hey, we're here as well and we belong in the conversation. Because I feel like sometimes, you know, they're there every week. They're there. every. They make every single final, but they just don't get talked about. Um <laughs> even though they're they're unbelievable so i thought this was a great win for them they you know they did what they needed to do and against a pair that you know momo and sanyo who have proven that are they're really really solid and are also like looking you know to grab a title here and there i don't think they they don't give a a ball lost it's unbelievable how much they run uh, the physical capabilities that they have i think um, and I want to touch this as well and ask you, because we had another round of Paquito Chingoto and Momo Sanjo, which, you know, seems to be like one of these epic matches. Well, hopefully we have many more as well. But what did you think of, of that match? Because I thought it was uh, it was another brilliant addition. But uh, it almost I really thought this time Paquito and Chingoto were going to pull it through. But like I said, Momo and Sanjo are just so resistant so resilient so consistent they don't miss a ball and then at the end I felt like Paquito basically gassed out you know especially in the last two games of the third set and you know Momo and Sanjo took took their chances yeah I agree I think that's a very good analysis Gons I did indeed watch that match particularly I was really looking forward to it given how good it was last week and it was I'd say as good, if not better. I agree. I really thought Paquito and Chingoto were going to take it. They were a breakup in the third set, 4-2, and they ended up losing it at 6-4. So they lost four games in a row. And uh, talking about the third set, yes, I'd say I was really surprised that Paquito lost his head that quickly. I know that you say, you're saying he gassed out, and I agree. I think he looked the most unfit out of the four players. To be fair, Momo and Chingoto are just absolute physical beasts. And I think Sanyo's really proving doubters wrong in terms of, well, he's obviously quite old, more and more or less Paquito's generation, but he looks so fit and as fit as he's ever been. But I, yeah, I do agree that Paquito, it almost looked like he, he just couldn't cope with the pace of the match. But I also feel that when they lost that serve, they were a break-up in the third set and they lost it. Paquito lost his head. He just looked so negative. He stopped kind of cheering Chingoto on. And I really, yeah, I was a bit surprised and a bit let down because I thought they were playing the better paddle. They were more aggressive than Momon Sanyo. And it, looks like, it looked like they were dominating the points more. But I just don't know how. I kind of have the feeling that it's, always the same with Momo and Sanyo. They're just kind of just absolute fighters and they want to try and win every single point. They don't, as you said, they just, they never give up. And I think Paquito struggled mentally to play with that. And I think you could see see it at the end of the game. So yeah, I thought it was a fantastic match. One of the best matches of the tournament. I'd say that and, and the final probably. Yeah, I think in the in the match with with Paquito, you know, they they had so many chances to really take take over the whole game, and 
to to the credit of Momo and Sanjo, each time they got broken, then they broke back. So it just shows you how resilient they are, both like physically, but also mentally, and how at any given moment, I think they just have this confidence now that no matter like what the score is or how behind they are, they can obviously pull it back and go on and, and win games and, and sets that potentially they shouldn't. I think in the third set of that match, at the beginning, Paquito was playing excellent. Like He was so active. He was winning so many points. You could see the real like old Paquito back in terms of just taking over a match. But as you said, I don't know then what happened but completely gassed out, which then I think in one of the particular games, the ones that then, then they got bro- like broke back, he then switched off completely mentally and um, and that was it. And then it was quite easy for, for Momo and Sanyo to cruise. But I think this is potentially a recurring theme that we might see over, over this season in terms of just how it's almost like the game style, I would say, of, of Momo and Sanyo is their playing style because they're both, as you say, Momo physically is an absolute beast and will run around everywhere. He's able to catch unbelievable balls. His, you know, his defense is great as well. He's just a great all-round player and doesn't have like a particularly strong aerial presence or attacking side to his game that you know others on his position do. And Mom and Sanjo, you know, very similar style to Momo, which potentially is why also, you know, how they fit. And Sanjo did touch upon this, you know, the after like the first two tournaments they've played, like how quickly he's they they've both adapted to each other. But I think we'll see this sort of this is how they will be. And you know, at the moment they're using their weapons incredibly well because they've made semifinals in all the tournaments they've played, and this week was a final. Agreed. I completely agree. And just to touch on one of the other matches that I think is quite important to mention was Bella and Yanguas against Garrido and Sant. That match was absolutely unbelievable, wasn't it? I thought Yanguas was playing some fantastic battle. I think well, Garrido was just so dominant with his smash and managing to get the ball out of the court really easily for Dres, where having watched other matches, players weren't being able to do that. So I was really, really impressed. I did think, as we mentioned last time, Garrido's kind of up and down attitude and a bit his given that his his mentality and his kind of mental state fluctuates a lot within games. I think that's what let them down. They were dominating Yangwa Sambela. But I just think at Bella's experience and probably Yangwas's touch of class is what is what made it for them. What did you make of that game, Gons? Yeah, I completely agree. I think I think each one of the of the players there essentially played their, you know, role or what they're they're known for <laughs> in terms of like it's just how everyone thought it would go, right? You've got Garrido and Sant, who are on their day when they're concentrated, incredible. As you mentioned, Garrido was, you know, able to get the ball out for tres very easily. Whereas in the previous match of Paquito, Momo, Sanjo, no one was able to do it, or they did it very, very occasionally when it was at a very easy por cuatro or something like that. So that just shows you that Garrido has that in his locker. And is one of the best at doing it in in the tour. But 
again, completely comfortable in the first set. And then things just start to go wrong. And when, when things start to go wrong, they're just not able to pull it back. And they're such similar players, both Garrido and Sant, with, with this emotional side. They both have, I think there's a small video of Sant just going over to Garrido and taking his, like, pinching his ear and Garrido going like, what are you doing? <laughs> so it just shows you, like, you know, how emotional both of them are, which when they're playing good, it's it's unbelievable. And it, it, I guess it adds fuel to the fire. But then on the other side of the court, you probably had one of, if not the the calmest player in, in paddle history. So, so yeah, at the end of the day, they were, you know, Bella and Yangos were able to to buckle up and do the hard work and essentially get get the match out of out of their hands. And I think we've seen that so many times from from Bella. What I was surprised with was was actually Yangwas's level. Uh, normally he's also quite hard-headed. Uh, he's known to be like that in the past. So I think you know potentially being with with Bella is is going to help him so much just become that bit more consistent because I think everyone is aware of Yangwas's level, his touch, his height for a player on the right side is is unbelievable and he can be really offensive as well. So. I think it it will be. I think him pairing with Bella is going to do wonders for for his evolution as a player. Indeed, I think his learning curve is going to just accelerate so much playing with Bella. I think he is literally the perfect pair he could have right now, and I think yeah, it was just a great move by both of them. So moving on to one of the other topics that we wanted to discuss. We wanted to touch on the fact, well, kind of the topic of injuries. Obviously, as we've just discussed, Coelho had to pull out of the tournament due to not a serious injury. He will be playing in next week's tournament over in Vienna. But nonetheless, they had to pull out of this one. And obviously, as we all know, Leveron, having won the first game of the tournament, 6-love, six 6-love, six had to pull out and, well, that left Alan out as well, obviously. And I was reading an interview the other day. Sanyo was saying that he really doesn't think young paddle players and today's generation will be able to play for as long and for as many years as he's been able to because the calendars are just absolutely unreal in terms of just so unrealistic. They, they expect players to be playing week in, week out. Unlike other sports, paddle, you sometimes play four or five days in a row if you make the final of a tournament. And when you think about it, in football, you might play a match every three, four days. In basketball, it's kind of the same. So paddle is very similar to tennis in that sense. And I think that's really going to harm players' careers in the long term. What are your thoughts on the topic, Gons? I think this year especially we're in a situation that is not ideal for sure in terms of the, the amount of tournaments that are going to be played. I think there are 32 tournaments in the calendar, if I'm not mistaken, between World Paddle Tour and, and Premier Paddle, which is absolutely insane. If you compare, for example, with tennis, which is probably the, the closest sport, you've got four Grand Slams, I think nine Masters 1000s, that's 13, then 13 other ATP 500s. But 
they get played at this, you know, two simultaneously at the same week. So a player will probably only play half of those. So that's like 19 tournaments, maybe that a tennis player plays a, a year if they're fully healthy. If you're talking about 32 for, for a paddle player now, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And no wonder that there's so many injuries and, and, and stuff going, going on. So hopefully now that we're also entering the conversation of, you know, World Paddle Tour and Premier Paddle potentially unifying and becoming one, one whole tour, hopefully they'll realize that just can't be done like that. And I'm sure that they'll put a, an adequate number of games and make it into a, you know, a season that also makes sense in terms of the locations that they're played. So they're not just going all over the place, but, you know, first, I don't know, you start in South America, then I don't know, or you, or you start Middle East, South America, then Europe, but all of that. So at the moment, for sure, it's, it's definitely frustrating. And, and I can see, I can see why so many players are, are getting injured. Um, and it's a shame, but, uh, but it definitely there should be a, a limit to, to the amount of matches that and, and tournaments that are, that are on. Um, especially as, as Sanjo said, which you, you just mentioned, you know, if they want players to last as long as some of the current generation have, just uh, it's going to have to be that way, I think. I agree. And I almost think, obviously, there is a pro of having more tournaments, which means we have more paddle to watch. And that's always a good thing. But at the end of the day, I think if you had fewer tournaments, the tournaments, each tournament would obviously become more important. And I actually think the level would be better because I think players would have more time to train, more time to rest. And, well, I mean, for example, you wouldn't have, or you probably wouldn't have Lebron pulling out after one match due to the same injury he had a couple of weeks ago. So I really do think they have to sort this out, the calendar out. I think World Paddle Tour and Premier Paddle have to, either they merge and create a unified tour for next year, starting 2024, or they're going to have to reduce the number of tournaments that they each host. I doubt Premier Paddle are going to reduce the number of tournaments they host drastically because they actually don't have that many. But I think if they don't manage to merge, the World Paddle Tour is going to have to cut down the number of tournaments they, they offer significantly. Unless, uh, it, because if they don't, players are, are really going to, to suffer. Their careers are going to be much shorter. And at the end of the day, that's just going to harm the sport. Yeah, and for, you know, the paddle as a professional sport, I think is very much in the earlier stages. And of course, for players to make a living at the moment, given the prize money, they have to play every tournament, right? So it's not like in tennis where it's already a quite established tour and, you know, your top 20 players, top 30, maybe can just be like, I'm going to design my season in a specific way where, where I want to specifically be, be competitive and at the top of my game. And because I can play at the, you know, the best tournaments. And if I do sort of well there, that's covering me financially for the rest of my season. And paddle is not like that. So paddle players are basically forced, all of, all of them, like even your top 10 who people might think that they're earning loads is not like that at all at the moment. So they have to play basically every single tournament to essentially be, you know, financially make a living for themselves as well. Indeed. And when you actually think about it, I actually think players 
panel players might even make more from sponsorship deals and marketing than actual tournament prize money. I know this year the World Paddle Tours increased it and in their future plans, they're looking to increase it drastically. It makes total sense given that paddle is booming globally and there's so many new viewers and fans around the world that they clearly have to do it because there's a big demand. So that's that's how it works. But yeah, I I completely I completely agree and I, I really hope this this changes in the near future. Um and this really leads us into one of well, the main topics this week, if not the main one. And it's around pair changes once again. Shock. Gonstu, uh, do you want to take us away? Yeah, this one to be fair, it also seems like it's been uh, caused or done by the injuries that we just discussed. Completely, completely. Uh, but let's maybe start with the most common or like the, the biggest name for sure out there, which uh, is due to LeBron's injury, which apparently it seems like it was definitely a bit more severe than initially thought and that he might be out for the next couple of months. So that means then that an Ale Galan, if he wants to compete, he needs to find a pair. And it seems like he has done so, and that will be John Sand. So what are your initial thoughts of that? Well, I've got to be honest. I am actually very excited to watch Galan play with a different player. Obviously, he's played with Lebron for the past three and a half years, and their success is obvious, and their matches have been great to watch. But I'm really looking forward to watching him change it up. I have to be honest, I think John Sanf, and I think we all agree, is a number of steps behind Galan's level. I think John Sanf is pushing to be in the top 20 players also in the World Paddle Tour, I'd say. But for example, I'd say he's quite far away from being in the top 10. And I, as I discussed with you offline, I was quite surprised that Galan hasn't managed and this, to be fair, this is only a rumour. Their partnership hasn't been confirmed. But it all seems to indicate like it, that it will be Galan and Sant playing together until Lebron gets back from injury and starting not next week in Vienna, but in a couple of weeks' time when they play the Marbella Masters. But yes, I have to say I was quite surprised. I thought Galan would manage to convince someone else. I was even thinking maybe Alex Ruiz. His partnership with Deo isn't going particularly well. And who knows? He could he could have been able to convince him at the end of the day. Imagine playing with the top two or top one player, ranked player, is a huge wonder, attraction. I think. I wonder how LeBron would have. I wonder how LeBron would have felt with that, though. I know. He, obviously, he would have. It wouldn't have been great. But at the same time, he has to accept that he's going to be out for a few months, and Galan has to look for the best partner that he can. So I have to say I was expecting someone of a slightly higher ranking but I completely understand the nuances regarding well the fact that you know, if you break your partnership with your current partner in two months you'll have to break it again when Lebron is back with Galan or it could be even less if Lebron's injury heals quicker than we expect. So I do understand the partnership and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what it brings. What are your thoughts Gons? Yeah, I think it's a safe move by Galan. I don't think he wanted to get into 
a situation you're going after an established name given that Leverdon is supposedly only going to be out for a couple of months. So obviously from John Sands' point of view, unbelievable opportunity. So I think it's it's the wise choice, even though obviously from a fan perspective, maybe it would have been excited more exciting if you would have done something else. But yeah, let's see, let's see how they do in you know in, in the upcoming tournaments. Then the other well, one of the other pair of changes, I guess, given that Santa is now with Galan, that leaves his teammate Garrido. Going back with Campagnolo, well, what do you think of them? I've got to be honest. I'll make it short and brief. I thought their previous partnership was going really well. I was surprised that Garrido left Campagnolo after such a good season. But to be fair, Chingoto, as we've discussed, is one of the best four-pound players in the world. And it was a unique opportunity for Garrido. So I actually think it's going to go really well. I think Garrido is showing a really good level this season. Campagnolo, not so much. But I have a good feeling about their partnership. You, what are your thoughts? I think there'll just be a round of 16 potential quarterfinal here or there uh, kind of pair. I don't see. I honestly, I did. I, I, I potentially, well, the only thing that I think with that could essentially be positive for Garrido is that he's now going with a more serious, more constant more consistent player in, in Campagnolo. So I think that will be good for him and the overall pair. Garrido can bring the flair out, can bring the magic and, and the aggressive. Yeah, a bit more of a balance. Exactly. So I think but I don't see them, you know, challenging at, at the very top. And uh, maybe the last one that we touch on is Ivan Torramirez and Pablo Lima, because that's uh, also an interesting one. But what an absolute mess with uh, Cardona. <laughs> I, I actually don't, I can't believe that. Again, it's only a rumour, but I'm so surprised. They were having such a good start to the season. They separated, they split once, then they were back together, and now they're splitting again. I just don't understand it. Also, Cardona is such a good player. Pablo Lima has been injured for quite a few weeks now and is playing his last year on the tour. I understand the attraction of playing with one of the biggest legends in paddle. I'm pretty sure he's won the second most tournaments ever. So that's just after Bella. Pablo Lima is second. He's won something like 50-something World Paddle Tour tournaments. So I understand Ivancho being well, looking forward to playing with Pablo and learning a lot from him, no doubt. But I just don't understand it. I really thought they would bet on their partnership. They were playing so well at the start of the season. So, yeah, big surprise. And I have to be honest not expecting huge things from that partnership. You? No, I think they'll just be, yeah, I, I don't see them, to be honest. I probably see Garrido and Campagnola having more of a chance. But um, let, even let's see how Pablo Lima is this season. You know, he's close to retiring and he's already been injured. How many tournaments are they going to be able to play? All of that. So let's see how it goes. And then lastly, this leaves Coqui Nieto with uh, well, with Cardona, right? Yes, it looks like it. I'm actually inclined to think that Gogi Nieto and Cardona will do quite well. I really like Gogi Nieto. I thought he was playing really well. He started the season, well, and his partnership with Pablo Lima quite well until Pablo Lima got injured. I thought they were playing some really consistent paddle. So, yeah, I'm expecting, I'm expecting Cardona and... Coquineto to reap some good results. 
I don't think they will consistently make the quarterfinals, for example. But I do think that they will be cons consistently make the round of 16. Yeah, I think they'll they'll potentially have a chance of you know your lower five hundred tournaments. Um, out of the older pairs, I probably rank. I, I could see them ranking definitely at the top, and it's definitely a younger pair that has like more potential for the future. So let's see how that goes. But for the time being, definitely don't see them, you know, knocking on the top tens door or anything like that. Or even some of the more established, like you know, Faro Rubio, Javi Ruiz, all of those. Um, Completely agree. So yeah, I guess moving on now to the final section of today's episode, the paddle pod race. So very quick recount of how we both did in Denmark, which surprise, surprise, is not great because all the injuries essentially, <laughs> <laughs> all the injuries changed our 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 picks, but essentially. So Hugo entered uh, the tournament with 14 points. I entered the tournament with nine and Hugo's leaving the, the tournament with 16 and I'm leaving with 10. So you actually did get an extra point there simply because, uh, well, you got Stupa, Los Superdivas to the final and uh, I didn't. I had Lebron Angalan. But um, moving on to this week's tournament, what are you thinking? Well, I'll jump straight into it. I, well, I'm going to be slightly adventurous. It's not the top four seeds, <laughs> but I think the first semi-final will be Koyon Tapia against Momon Sanyo. Really don't have many doubts. And I think the second semi-final will actually be Ruiz Tello against the Supervives. I have a feeling Ruiz and Tello are going to have to start reaping some good results. I thought they were a bit better this week compared to last week and well they're both such good players that I just think their potential is going to have to come through at some point I think the results of the semi-finals will be two sets to love to Goya and Tapia against Momo and Sanyo and I think it will be two sets to one in the Super Bires against Ruiz and Tello and in the final Goya and Tapia will beat the Super Bires two sets to love Gonzo to you yeah. Perfect. So I'm going to go with the first semi-final as Coelho Tapia also against Momo and Sanyo. Then in the second semi-final, I'm going to go slightly different. I'm going to bet on Chingoto and, and Paquito against Los Super Pibes. In the first semi-final, I think it's going to go to three sets. I just think Momo and Sanyo have been so solid and they're going to take them a third set. And then on the second semi-final, I'm also going to go with three sets. And I just think that it's just going to go as it has been with Paquito Chingoto. I think they might just gas out at the end. And then in the final, so we've got Coelho and Tapia against Los Perfibes, but I also think Coelho and Tapia will win two sets to love. Okay, interesting. So same score in the final. And you're betting on Chingoto and Paquito to get past Rifentello in yeah. the kind of projected draw, as per se. I agree. I, I do think that's probably the most likely result if we were to bet on it. But I just think Dejan Reef have to start winning some big matches. Otherwise, their partnership will probably end soon. And I just have a feeling Paquito, given that this week he struggled a bit mentally and he let us down a bit, I really see, I could really see them disappointing a bit. 
in next week. But I guess we'll see, won't we? We'll see indeed. But I, I don't disagree with your analysis in a way. But I guess that's the end of the episode. Hope everyone enjoyed. Um, I'm Gons and goodbye. See you, Hugo. See you guys. Thanks very much, Gons, as always. And please keep watching the, uh, well, next week's tournament because I'm sure it's going to be as amazing as the whole season's gone. Have a good week, guys.